This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee and this is Campaign Catch-Up, bringing you the top news and analysis about the election right up until polling day. It's Monday the 2nd of May. Today, political editor Catherine Murphy joins me from the hustings to discuss the Labor Party's campaign launch in Western Australia. But first, here's what happened today. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese was in the marginal LNP seat of Brisbane in Queensland. He received applause and cheers from onlookers at his daily press conference before joining the Labor Day march. Labor has pledged to introduce a $329 million housing scheme if it's elected. Under it, a Labor government would pay for up to 40% of the price of a new home and take an equity stake in the property. Albanese hit back at criticism that this could drive house prices up even further. Our housing policy is good policy. How do we know that? Because we know that it works. In Western Australia, they've had a very similar plan now for 30 years. What it's done is enable people to get into housing who wouldn't otherwise get there. And it's also produced a return to the government. Prime Minister Scott Morrison was in Sydney in the marginal Labor seat of Parramatta. Morrison visited an Eid prayer event where a woman reportedly asked him to help her get her family out of Afghanistan, where she says they're under threat from the Taliban. We are bringing thousands and thousands of people from Afghanistan, 16,500 we'll be bringing, and uh, we will do everything we can. The PM then headed to Geelong in Victoria. Morrison promised a coalition government would increase the income threshold for the seniors' health card, extending concessions for healthcare and medication to 50,000 more seniors this year. That's a promise that Labor says it will match if elected. He defended the government's economic record. Could you imagine how much harder it would be to pay a mortgage if we hadn't had JobKeeper and 700,000 people were out of job, or we didn't do the cash flow boost, which would have seen small businesses collapsing all around the country, or the support we're providing to first homeowners to get in and own that home in the first place? And he insisted that he wasn't interested in the politics of a possible interest rate rise tomorrow when the Reserve Bank is scheduled to meet. Campaigning Prime Minister as the superior economic manager. Mm. A vote is really supposed to believe now that you're going to separate yourself from what happens tomorrow and claim you don't have any responsibility for the conditions that have led here. Well, I think I've set out the position pretty clearly about what the macroeconomic environment is that is impacting on rates in Australia. Um, I think I've been pretty clear. Um, I mean... I also didn't claim credit for interest rates going from 1.5% to 0.1%. Greens leader Adam Bant was in Hobart, where he promised to push for a ban on offshore gas exploration in the Bass Strait if the Greens hold the balance of power after the election. The Greens also pledged to legalise cannabis, arguing that a regulated industry could raise $4.4 billion for schools, hospitals and climate action. And Labor was ahead of the coalition in two key polls released as the second half of the campaign begins. News poll, published in the Australian newspaper, saw Labor lead on a two-party preferred basis 53 to 47%. And the Resolve poll, published in The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, had Labor leading 54 to 46%. Coming up, political editor Catherine Murphy is here to discuss how the Labor Party is pitching itself to voters in the second half of the campaign. Hi, Murph. Hi, Jane. Um, how's sunny Brisbane? 
Uh, it is sunny and not too uh, horrendously hot, which it often is here. If people can hear a bit of background noise, sorry, guys, we are just literally on the side of a road in Brisbane recording this. Yeah. You were at Labor's campaign launch yesterday in w- in Perth in WA. First of all, maybe we should cover off why there's a campaign launch for Labor three weeks into the election campaign. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny tradition, isn't it, Jane, to sort of launch a campaign basically at the midpoint uh, of the campaign. And actually, in in terms of this tradition, that's actually a bit early. Often uh, the campaigns don't officially launch until the final weeks uh, because once the campaigns sort of tick over into their formal launch mode, I think some of the entitlements shift. I think uh, the parties have to pick up more of their own costs. So basically the campaign launches are pushed back in order to get over that transition, if that makes sense, Mm. from when they're a government and an opposition to when they're sort of two equal parties contesting for the prime ministership at a particular date, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, and uh, Labor chose uh, to launch the campaign a little bit early, which is interesting. We still don't know when the coalition will officially launch its campaign, uh, possibly this weekend, or there is there is a debate on Sunday night. So it might be very late in the campaign mm. uh, that the Liberal Party chooses to launch. Obviously, Labor's campaign launch was in Perth and Albanese made a big point to say this is the first time a campaign has been launched in the West ever. How important is WA to Labor's fortunes, particularly given the popularity of Premier Mark McGowan right now? Now, Labor chose Western Australia as the destination for the campaign launch because it is the bedrock of Labor's pathway to victory. Labor hopes to pick up, uh, well, hopefully two seats in the state. Strategists hope three is an outside chance. And obviously, if that were the case, that puts Labor in in a strong position as the sort of result flows from west to east, if that makes sense. It it Mm. sort of makes it, it, it creates a credible set of circumstances where Labor could win government in its own right. You know, I I suppose apart from expenses, it doesn't help to have a bit of political, an excuse for political theatre a few weeks out from people actually voting. Can you describe what it was like being at the launch? What was was all of that theatrics like for you watching up close? Yeah, they always sort of uh, pull on a bit of razzle-dazzle in the launches. We were in a, a very large football stadium. Uh, I think there were some good warm-up acts. Jason Clare is becoming some sort of tear-away sensation on the campaign trail, which is sort of a development none of us saw coming. Mark McGowan, the Labor Premier in Western Australia, played a starring cameo. He anointed Anthony Albanese as the next Prime Minister of Australia, talked about their shared attributes, uh, shared COVID infections, shared poodles, (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I confess, I, I hadn't, because I obviously see Mark McGowan from a fair distance, I hadn't realised the man has a sense of humour, but it would appear he does. And he was throwing down the gags on the stage in Perth on Sunday. Um, Penny Wong, uh, who's one of the strongest brands Labor has politically, obviously introduced her friend, Anthony Albanese. They do have a 30-year friendship and it was uh, quite an emotional handover from Penny Wong to Anthony Albanese to make his speech. Um, and, look, Anthony Albanese is not the world's, you know, great greatest orator. He's certainly no Barack Obama, is he? I mean, he doesn't have the beautiful velvety intonation. He doesn't have that X factor. Uh, but I think the way he spoke and the way he framed his own leadership 
uh, I think he wanted to model a type of leadership that was sort of less by brute force and and more by listening and persuasion. Anthony Albanese is an interesting character because he just sort of, I think, tries to impart the fact that he's a decent person who would like the country to be in a better place than it is at the present time. Now, Labor announced a number of key policies yesterday that it's going to be spruiking from now until Election Day, ranging from electric cars and medicine to manufacturing and housing. What would you say was the strongest one? Oh, I think the housing uh, policy was designed to be the centrepiece of the official campaign launch on Sunday. This is this 300-odd million program where the government would take an equity stake in homes for low and middle income earners to basically get people out of renting and hopefully into some version of home ownership. I think that was the critical policy. Uh, Bear in mind, Jane, the the sort of campaign timetable. Pre-poll voting starts early next week. Uh, Labor, I think, wanted to have that housing policy out before the Reserve Bank it raises interest rates, if that is in fact what happens, and before the opening of pre-poll voting. I think if we look at uh, who the target audience was for Albanese's campaign launch speech, we're certainly families on ordinary incomes. I think there was a big pitch there for women, and the polls tell us that there's a gender gap in voter approval of the two leaders. Women are far more likely to approve of Scott Morrison than they are of Anthony Albanese. And I think the Labor leader really spent a chunk of Sunday talking to women and also to Labor's traditional blue-collar base. There's a lot of rhetoric about making things in Australia, revving up sort of sovereign capability and manufacturing in this country. Um, Those are resonant messages because both of the leaders, Anthony Albanese and Scott Morrison, are, are talking about them in their in their regular stump speech now out on the hustings. Uh, You know, obviously, Anthony Albanese spent a lot of time over the last 12 months uh, sort of chipping away at Scott Morrison's character of setting up an election, which is a a referendum on Morrison, his character and his performance. But in order to change a government, uh, you know, an opposition has to give voters a call to action. Uh, An opposition has to tell voters how it will be different and in relatively concrete ways. And again, that was the purpose of Sunday's launch. You're in Brisbane with Albanese now, Murph. How do you think Labor's positioned at this point? We're halfway through the campaign. And also, what needs to happen electorally for the party to win the election? Basically now, Jane, we sort of saw this acceleration start to happen over late last week and the weekend. Uh, it's, it will be a sprint to the finish. I think in this May Day event we've just been in in Brisbane, Anthony Albanese told, you know, the, the, the sort of big crowd of unionists that were there sort of rallying for him, um, 19 days to go, I think he said. Uh, he told them that uh, he needed Brisbane, which is where we are right now, to bring this contest home for Labor. And uh, the reason he said that is that uh, Labor could easily lose this election in Queensland. Courtesy of the 2019 election, uh, the coalition has large electoral buffers in this state. It is possible that Labor could pick up not one seat, even with a substantial national swing against the government. So Anthony Albanese made a very sharp pitch to people in Brisbane, we need you to bring this home for us. And I think that's probably, you know, a a pretty sort of specific (laughs) diagnostic about 
where Labor has to pick up ground. Uh, we obviously know Scott Morrison is an incredibly disciplined and relentless campaigner. Uh, Liberal and National MPs suggest to me that the, the government's sort of political fortunes are holding up reasonably well in Queensland, particularly in the regions and outer suburbs. So that's the kind of uh, the magic line, I guess, if Albanese can force a swing beyond the magic line, which is basically the border of Queensland. Uh, you know, that's a big open question, I think, of the final weeks of the campaign. Thanks so much for your time, Murph. It's my pleasure. My pleasure, Jane. I better get back on the bus. You can hear it revving here beside us. Better run. <laughs> All see right, you guys. see you later. That's your campaign catch-up for today. For more political analysis, don't forget to subscribe to Catherine Murphy's podcast, Australian Politics. Our politics team will be on that show answering your questions about the election every Saturday during the campaign. Just search for Australian Politics wherever you're listening to this podcast. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and me, Jane Lee. The executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.